Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Check. I'm Brady. And I'm Alvin. Welcome back to The Check. So, Brady, I thought it'd be nice for us to have a little uh, Pinot Noir here. We're trying to keep all our wineries going, too. Absolutely. And it's funny. I looked over. I saw you had some glasses because I arrived a little bit late to the to our podcast. And you had the glasses in the bottle. I'm thinking, oh, Alvin's, because they're my glasses. I saw that. <laughs> like, oh, Alvin's gone and gotten me a bottle of wine from my cellar. No, no, no. We're a team. You provide the glasses. I provide the wine. There That's very nice. As you know by now, we're two restaurant guys, and we are just like the rest of the restaurant community, navigating the COVID-19 uh, adjustments and drama and changes every day. Yeah, uh, I think the last time we spoke about this on the check, we were we had some good news that the governor was going to allow us to open up and do some outdoor patio dining. That's exactly right, and we did. We opened up, and... Both of us had some different different uh, concepts around that, and um, we did. We we didn't do the same things. We had, well, we have different spaces, uh, so yeah, they were different. I have a patio with a whopping six tables, so uh, that went down immediately to three tables because you have to fifty uh, percent. Yeah, fifty percent. Oh, the P fifty. Here, you remember we talked P50. about fifty. Yeah. So, um, what I decided to do unbeknownst to my landlord, was stick a tent on the side of the building um, so I could increase my seating capacity, which we did, much to their chagrin, but they they came around. Well, I mean, you're not paying, you're paying them still, and you're not, you don't have the square footage that you normally have. So I am. And then, they've got to acquiesce a little bit. And, and these are the challenges, you know, those guys, they've got a, a mortgage to pay too, so I get it, they, they need their money, but we're trying to facilitate a better way for us to get them their money. So we all kind of have to look out for each other. You know, one hand washes the other, as my mother would always say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I was able to open up my backyard and 20 feet minimum between each table and had a pretty good weekend. Everybody was very happy to be out, enjoy the outdoors and service. I think everybody's missed being served. And I've missed the personal contact. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, you know, regardless of our space and how we, we tackled it. How, how did the people feel? I mean, did you notice, did you did you have as much traffic as you expected? Were the people happy? Were they apprehensive? You know, were they hugging or were they just, you know, doing the elbow uh, fist bumps and stuff? What's your experience? Not a lot of hugging. Um, I think that's probably better. But people seem to be generally happy. They, um, it was hugging at my restaurant. There's always hugging at your restaurant. <laughs> Just saying. You're there. <laughs> but, uh, we, uh, you know, everybody was very happy. Just happy to be out of the house, happy to be back in the world. And like I said, the service, I think, very appreciative of, of being served, particularly when the waiters had to walk, um, you know, three or four times as far yeah. as they normally do. Yeah. And speaking of our service, you know, they're wearing masks now, wearing gloves. It's a different form of service. Um, the menus are different. Each time they're getting tossed away. Um, they, they're doing a lot of work, walking longer distances. It's, it's interesting. And having to speak through those face masks and you don't always get to see. Sometimes you get to read lips kind of thing, you know. Right. It's hard. It, it is hard to hear when people have masks. One of the, comment, one of the comments I had online was that... Uh, People missed the waiters' smiles, which 
I mean, the waiter smiles, sure, but I think it's just they miss seeing the waiter's face and being able to, just like you said, I mean, there's some social interaction. Yeah. Just being able to look at somebody's face. But we're getting closer. We're getting closer. So, Alvin, when a when a guest comes into Cobalt, and they're and and you've got your your seating capacity now out, outdoors, but they arrive at your at your restaurant. What what do they expect? What are they going to expect? What should they expect? How is how is their night going to unfold? You know, this past weekend, um, it was much the same as we usually do. You know, they greeted by uh, a server or a hostess or my uh, business partner Gary, and then they're seated. Uh, obviously, the tables and chairs and everything's been sanitized and they're ready to go. The next table over is, you know, at least six feet away. What was interesting is normally tables that are sitting right next to each other almost immediately begin chatting because either they know each other or they want to ask each other about the food. No, I saw yours look nice. They were still doing this across, way across six feet, seven feet across the, the patio, which was nice to see. And I think people just wanted that social interaction and they were just happy to be there, happy to know that they were safe because they could see the, the different measures that we'd taken to keep everything sanitary and keep them safe. So, it, I mean, they literally said, this is great. It, it feels like old times. And they, you know, the largest group was a group of six, but, you know, they're opening champagne and wine. And, and you could see it in their eyes that they just were happy to feel normal again. Yeah, so this week we are having some a lot of rain forecasted we have the tropical storm off the coast moving up and we're already already seeing some rain today and uh, i know for me that means that i'm back 100 percent to uh take out curbside pickup that kind of thing delivery yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got that nice tent and your covered porch yeah i mean it doesn't make it ideal um i'm sure some people still sit outside because it is warm um and we have the tent, but if it's raining, you know, I'm going to be following the servers out there with an umbrella so that the, the plates don't get wet before they make it into the tent. So, um, you know, navigating all these things, we really have a, you know, everything is unsure. We don't know what's going on. And uh, one of the things that we know that's going to happen is whatever's happening this week, it's going to be a little different next week. Uh, everything, even if even if the rules stay the same, things that we do will evolve and change as we get better at each step. And we've had to we've had to relearn our business. And every day, as things change, as the rules change, as needs change, as we continue to learn and evolve, that's the one thing we can be sure of. That's right. Yeah, and it's not even about relearning our business; it's about recreating a new business and trying to get through it without falling through the pitfalls that we did when we opened up our first restaurants. One guy that, that I know that stayed ahead of that is our, is our guest today. Uh, John Stein, president of Baker's Crust Artisan Kitchen and president and CEO, CEO of the Neighborhood Harvest. Uh, he talked about us. He talked about all the things he's done to change and evolve. And he has really stayed ahead of the curve in my opinion. Yeah. He's got great restaurants. Um, my restaurants, we actually buy our bread from him from Baker's Crust. And, Brady, we've both known John for quite some time and respect his opinion. And just while we're talking about that, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time. We've known each other for a while. And, you know, I'm always of the perspective that my glass is half full. But um, right now it's it's a little empty, so I'm just going to top us up. One thing to note, when we talked to John, Baker's Crust was closed. Since then, they have reopened for outdoor dining 
and they're also offering curbside to go, carry out, and delivery. We kicked off our interview with John by asking him about his thinking behind closing his Baker's Cross locations in light of coronavirus concerns. Here's what John had to say. Yeah, we have um, eight locations. And we closed, actually, once our sales declined below 50%, we decided to close, which was probably a week prior to when the governor um, set the guidelines for everyone to close because we just found that we were losing more money being open than we were closing and that we would have to figure out a solution to work through it without, you know, compounding our losses. And so that's what we did. And then over the last, you know, four, six weeks, I guess, or seven, eight weeks, seven weeks, I've lost track time on how long we've been closed, but we've been constantly trying to figure out what are we going to do next? You know, we got a little bit of PPP money and then obviously had to figure out what we do with that, which we're still trying to navigate through. So we've, we've actually been extremely conservative and not spent very much of it at all, at all, because not knowing, you know, where we're going to end up has really, you know, caused us to, you know, try to come up with a strategy that we don't come out of this worse with a, a bunch of debt. And so, you know, it's, it's been really, it's a kind of a moving target, but yeah. So, you know, and now we're trying to figure out how we, you know, rework our model and try to reinvent ourselves opening up at 50 to 60, 70% business with habits, people's habits changing and, um, and not coming in to a busy restaurant like they're used to. And so, you know, figuring all that out has, has really been more work than it was when we were open. So John, in, in hindsight, do you think that that was the the right decision you make to close your restaurants or do you think it was the only decision that you could make? Well, um, you know, it was really just trying to stop the bleeding and seeing what the government was, was working on with the uh, assistance and unemployment. We knew that our employees would, or we had hoped that our employees would be okay. And they really didn't miss a paycheck because a lot of that rolled out around the time that our pay period ended because, you know, we were paying them for two weeks prior. And then the last paycheck they got, they were pretty much on unemployment. And, uh, and so they were, they were taken care of. And then we took care of, you know, management. And, um, and so then the unemployment kicked in and they, they seemed to be doing actually quite well. Um, and so I think the decision was good. And it also helped with us because, you know, I have the neighborhood harvest, which is a home delivery farmer's market to your door business. And and so we were able to deploy 30 employees from Baker's Crust to the neighborhood harvest. And then we were also able to deploy 25 employees to Centera to pack gowns and masks for the last month, five weeks. And so we, we tried to place, you know, quite a few of the people that we, or at least, you know, a good portion of, of uh, the people that, you know, wanted to still work. And we found that, you know, a lot of people right now are pretty content with the unemployment deal that they've um, been able to uh, get through the government. That's kind of bad and good though, right? I mean, it's, I, I know I'm, from my perspective, um, 
it kind of strips me of power. <laughs> I can't, I can't demand people come into work when they can make money sitting on the couch. Yeah, no. And, and yeah, that's really difficult to do. And we found the same obstacle. And so you can offer them, I think unemployment. And I mean, I'm sorry, you can offer them their job back and then they have to, they have to take it and then they're off unemployment. But the problem is I believe they can't go back on unemployment. So if you, you pay them and you hire everybody back and then all of a sudden you open up with 60% business, 50% business, because we're, you know, it's mandated that we can't feed our restaurants in a certain way. And plus the psychology of it, people aren't going to want to come in and, and be in close proximity. What happens is then you're going to have to lay people off. And so they can't go back on unemployment once they've come off it within the year, I believe. And so you've actually hurt your employee by bringing them back. And so we've been fighting that, um, you know, that moral decision. And that's why we haven't offered everybody their job back because we don't want them to be caught with not being able to get unemployment. And we're just hoping the government looks into this a little bit more in detail because obviously they tried to roll it out quickly to where people wouldn't miss their, their paychecks, or at least they'd, they'd have compensation. But I just don't think it was, you know, and I don't, well, thought through, but I'm not sure they could even think through everything that we've experienced. And hopefully they're going to, you know, pivot and try to make it work for the restaurants and the employees. Because I think, you know, if, you know, they're probably wasting money right now in some ways. So the business that you have running, the Neighborhood Harvest, um, do you have enough employees for that? Or do you need to hire more? Or are you finding difficulty hiring more people? You know, um, we've, we've been able to, to, to staff it with Baker's Crust. And now we're starting to think about how, how to prepare to open up for, for business, I'm hoping, in the next few weeks two to four weeks, I guess. And uh, so we'll bring them back and we'll be hiring people. But again, I think it's created a challenging situation for, for people, you know, for employers, because, you know, to my point a few minutes ago, which I know you guys are aware of, and that is they don't want to come back to work. So now it's almost like the labor market is tighter than it was when we, when we, when this started, just because people don't want to come back to work. Um, the ones that have experienced that. Well, about opening it back up, what do you think, how do you think people's habits will be different after things begin to open up, open back up, John? Cause like, uh, you know, there's the employee issue and what about, what about the, the customers and guests? What, what are, what's going to happen? I mean, is that neighborhood harvest going to be like, is that going to be the f new focus or what's, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think, I think what all this has all of this has done is it's introduced this delivery um, concept, home delivery, groceries, farmers market, you know, fresh baked or freshly prepared local sustainable foods to people that were probably not aware of it as well. And I think it's it's actually introduced something new that I think people have enjoyed. And so I think it's, it's something that will probably stick around for a while. And so that that's one habit I think that has changed. And then the other is just the psychology of all this. There's going to be a post, you know, apprehension and fear. Um, I'm sure that's, you know, more, more prevalent with 
you know, the age of, you know, 50, 60 to, to 80, 85, you know, the baby boomers and up. And so I think their habits are going to change slightly. You know, as you're seeing with the younger generation, they're, you know, they think they're invincible. I, you know, I was there once and I know you guys were, and it's like, you don't worry about stuff like this. So they're going to go out and, um, and kind of live you know, probably back to normal, most of them. And so, you know, where, where that ends up with, um, you know, our business, I just, I can't imagine our sales aren't going to be down. And I guess you can, you know, a substantial amount, you know, 20, 30, 40%. And I'm sure we could take, um, you know, or see what's going on across the world that have, you know, opened back up their economies. Some of them, some never closed, I guess, like Sweden, but, um, you know, in Wuhan, Wuhan, what is it, Wuhan, that where it started? Yeah, that's this right. In China, you know, I think they're having issues with the people coming back and going back to, um, you know, some sort of normalcy with the economy and going out and spending money. And So do you think this so, will be our, our new normal with the takeout and curbside delivery, or do you think it will ever get back to how it was before, or do you think that's a matter of time? Yeah, I think, um, gosh, that's a million dollar question, Alvin. Yeah. Um, really <laughs> Stick don't. around. I got a few more yeah. for you. <laughs> I, I, just some habits are going to change to based, based on your age. And, I, and I'd like to think that it will come back over time, but I don't think anyone knows right now. I think it's going to be a new day. And I think, yeah, you'll probably do more to go um, for the people that aren't going in restaurants. And um, I think delivery will probably be a good a good thing, you know, with, I guess, Grubhub and DoorDash and all those guys. And um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, what do we do to, to try to get our restaurants full again? You know, it seems they're going to they're going to have to make some more changes with the, you know, ABC laws and rules and. You know, what do you think the the biggest hurdles are, are going to be when we when we reopen up for business? Um, just figuring out how you hit your labor costs, um, and um, you know all your controllable expenses where you you had a break even or a profit range. You know, all those ex- numbers are going to go up, so you have to rework your model and see, okay, what size menu do I have to have now to have a, you know, a, a kitchen that will function with this labor uh, percentage. And so you'll have to change your menu, potentially, you'll have to restaff, you'll have to look at your management line, you'll have to look at, you know, everything that affects your bottom line, and then, you know, obviously all your other expenses. And so you're just gonna have to reinvent yourself in some way. Um, and we're, we're still, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to figure that out right now. You know, can we put more people outside going into the spring, you know, try to figure out how to get a bigger patio, you know, maybe ask the landlord if you can put a 10 by 20 foot tent out there and build a, some sort of cafe a little bit outside where people can eat, where they're comfortable and feel safe. You know, there's got, you have to get really creative in what you're doing. And, um, I know, Alvin, you've been doing a phenomenal job with your um, family meals. They look amazing. I've been watching them on Instagram. And Thank you. Those look so good. We've been, so. We've been trying hard, and, and you know, you just mentioned landlords, and, and that's 
a challenge because, you know, pre-COVID-19, we we knew what our costs were and we knew what, what space we could afford to be in and, and what areas. Mm-hmm. So that's how we chose our landlords and, and our spaces. But now with the business model changing, it's mm-hmm. going to be a challenge to make those numbers work. And you've already got deals and you've already signed contracts and leases. And, and mm-hmm. how do we make that work? Yeah. And, and you're doing this on the flights. It's, it's an unbelievable task that we've, we've got ahead of us. Well, it's an interesting environment that we're in now because restaurants have been the, um, you know, uh, the growth for shopping centers, strip centers, certain, you know, shopping areas and malls. And now it's almost like the restaurant bubble has, you know, it's starting to to burst a bit. And so it's going to behoove landlords to figure out how to help their restaurants be successful. And, um, you know, so they don't see so much attrition from it. And that's going to hopefully, you know, hopefully will inspire them to look at, you know, the percentage rent, the percentage that rent is of these new numbers. You know, we as a restaurant, we got to operate with rental rent costs, rent percentage at six to, you know, 8%, which is ideal. Some, if you're doing higher volume, go up to nine maybe or whatever. But, you know, as our sales go down, our rent percentage goes up and it starts pushing 10, 11, 12, 13% of sales, you know, restaurants can't survive like that. And so we need to figure out a way to communicate that with landlords so they can go back and figure out how they can work with restaurant tenants to keep the, you know, the percentage within, you know, in line with a, a workable P&L of a restaurant company. But you got to remember a lot of these landlords, you know, they have, they have debt on their centers and, it just becomes this work through with everybody. They got to work through their their model as well. What do you think about the landscape of delivery with, you know, the costs, you know, from Grubhub and Postmates and DoorDash? You know, I'm not sure, you know, all the, the guests and customers who use those services know that restaurants have to pay them, you know, up to 30% of, of, or, more. of or more of restaurants, you know, profits to to have them use that service. I think what you probably see, if, you know, a restaurant has to survive. And I know those, those, those companies charge, you know, 18% plus. Um, you'll either see the restaurants build that into their menu cost in pricing, which a lot of these um, services don't allow. Or you'll see a restaurant come up with their own delivery system. And we can't afford to give that much percentage um to it. And if you work it, you can figure out a way to charge a nominal delivery fee. And then, you know, your 18 or 25% ends up being five or 7%. So we did this interview maybe two weeks ago and half of the things he said have already come to pass. That's John. You know, we're going to start calling him Nostrus Dimas. He, he, uh, he's way ahead of the curve and he knows what's going to happen before it happens. So it would seem, yeah, we should take him to Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like him to look at my stock portfolio. <laughs> so, Brady, it's been lovely chatting with you, as usual. Um, want to thank John Stein, our guest today, for all his insight, and we hope uh, he plods on through this. We'll keep an eye on him and hopefully invite him back as a recurring guest. And we're both excited for next week when we have my mother, Jeannie, to talk to us about gardening. Hopefully the weather will be a little bit better and she'll have been out there some more. 
Well, there's a lot of rain between now and then, so. Oh, my tomatoes are starting to stand up strong and, you know, look like they're going to make it through the season. Strong, strong. Strong. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us today. I'm Alvin. And I'm Brady. And this is The Check. Check.